Drops the throw, sets his feet down the left side. He's going for LaVisca Chanel, who cuts inside the defender. And he comes up with a football. Oh, are you kidding me? That is a touchdown. Touchdown, Colorado. By the wide receiver, LaVisca Chanel. And what a way to set the record for Steven Montez. Here comes the blitz. Hit, and it's picked off on a throw over the middle. Caught by Nate Lamon. He runs it up the near side, and he stumbles across the 30-yard line. Tripped up by the quarterback, Eason, and it's a turnover. Montez, under center. They give it off on the end around the LaVisca Chanel, who runs over the top of an offender and discards the defensive player and chucks him aside and works his way down to the 30. That right there came down to a will and a want to. Falls to the ball, takes it chest high. He scans, he looks, here comes a blitz. He is grabbed by Perry, and he's sacked. How about that play by the freshman? Montez is snap, play action, sets to throw. He's going for the home run. Tony Brown is in the end zone, and he makes the grab. End zone, touchdown, touchdown, Colorado. Oh, what a throw. Oh, what a catch by Tony Brown. Welcome in to a special Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Munster-Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com. Pleased to be joined with staff writer Chase Howell. Chase, it's been a long day for me. 20 new Colorado Buffaloes, 21 if you include Antonio Alfano. Just your general thoughts. We had the preview of signing day and, and now kind of wrapping things up. Well, what are your general thoughts with about this class? Well, as we say right now, it's solid. I think there's two guys out there that could make turn this into a really great recruiting class and that's jason harris and Nashad clayton two guys that we don't know for sure if they're going to be um coming to see you but one is committed one isn't and it seems like both of them have very good chance of ending up here but yeah overall i think it's a solid class they're going to finish somewhere like sixth or seventh probably mm-hmm. in the pack 12 yeah maybe if they add harris might bump them up to five um depending on how other teams do they're right there with arizona state and cal which is the spot that you need to be in obviously they're not going to compete with the Oregon's or the Washington's but but they're right there yeah and and just kind of rehashing a few thoughts we had in case you didn't watch our signing day preview video just the size of this class is one of the things that really jumps out at you there's only two real sleepers I guess you would call them in this class and that's guys that didn't have other power conference options and Jared Lichtenhan 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 6'9", 325, take a chance on somebody that's got a lot of size and yeah. can actually move a little bit for his size. And then Louis Passarello, you know, he's 245 pounds, played both ways in high school. Another guy that, that has some size coming in here. Gone are the days of bringing in a 255-pound offensive lineman and saying, okay, in two years he's going to be Pac-12 ready. Mel Tucker just has a way different philosophy when it comes to recruiting on the lines. Yeah, it's the complete opposite. It's bring in the beef. We'll cut, we'll cut the weight and turn that into muscle instead of just adding muscle to a very skinny frame. It's the complete opposite outlook that McIntyre had. And um, obviously McIntyre's lines weren't very good. So I'm going to guess that this strategy might work better. I just go back to that Washington game. I have not seen a CU both lines offense and defensive line dominate in the trenches against a solid team like that in a really long time so that has you encouraged for the future one other thing that really had to stand out about the press conference Mel Tucker was asked if they're in the market for a transfer quarterback and it wasn't just oh we'll see it was no we're not in the the market for a transfer it was it was very blunt and that's something that we had reported on Buff Stampede previously it shows you they really like 
Brendan Lewis obviously coming in, but also they, they like what they've seen from Blake Stenstrom and, and Tyler Lytle. It, it's hard for us to say they don't let us into practice, but uh, uh, certainly a good sign. I know Tyler Lytle and Blake Stenstrom haven't looked amazing in the little bit of game action they've had, but they also haven't had first-team reps and really been put into a great position either. And not giving enough credit to Blake Stenstrom on that 34-yard run when he came in. <laughs> Um, no, but I don't think the defense knew it was happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, they probably didn't know the type of wheels that Stenstrom had on him. But yeah, I think he was pretty. It was pretty obvious that they're not in the market right now. I don't know what he would have said if they are in the market. I don't know if he would be give it away. But I think the way that he answered shows enough that they're not going to be going after a grad transfer, and they're a little bit too close on the numbers to be able to bring in a quarterback so yeah i think they've ruled that out you've got three quarterbacks there that are all about even as we look at them right now it didn't seem like uh lytle or stenstrom jumped each other uh throughout this year i know stenstrom came in but that's because lytle was a little bit banged up um lytle came in first the first time in relief for steven montez so it's tough to tell who won there i think you got three quarterbacks that are all pretty even heading into spring ball Again, Mel Tucker's very consistent. He says that I'm not into self-imposed limitations, and if you can't recruit to Boulder, you can't recruit. That was a great line. It was a great line, and you know, it, it's the message you need to be setting as Colorado's head coach instead of saying, "Well, we don't have this or that." They pretty much have what they need. They just don't have recent success, which is the biggest challenge they have on the recruiting trail. Yeah, yeah, and he mentioned that when he was talking about getting in-state recruits. Obviously, they missed on quite a few uh, in-state recruits, especially on the offensive line this year, although they did bring in some good offensive linemen. So I don't think they're going to be big misses, but they did miss on some in-state recruits, and uh, that's something that, that they don't want to do down the road. And Mel Tucker says they got to win on the field to prove to these Colorado kids that CU is the place to be for those in-state kids and um as long as they can do that, I think they'll be able to pull some kids in down the road. Well, I only have so much time for this podcast, so let's make this a mailbag-heavy show. And, and Chase, uh, I'm going to have you read some questions from the Inside the Herd message board on buffstampede.com, and then I'm going to be going down some questions on Twitter. I can imagine there's going to be questions about Jason Harris, Ashad Clayton, so, so let's have them. Okay. Uh, the first one is about Antonio Alfano. I don't know if you can answer this question. This is probably better for like the compliance people, but what is the process and timing of any NCAA determination about Alfano being able to play or having to wait out next year? I actually can answer this question. So I know that CU fans want to know yesterday if Antonio Alfano is going to be eligible to play for them in 2020, but I have some bad news. You're going to have to be patient there. They need him to be on campus for a whole semester, so the spring semester, before they submit that waiver. And it's to show to the NCAA that they have the support here at CU for Antonio to have better success in the classroom than what he did during his brief time at Alabama. Obviously, there was also the illness with his grandmother. Unfortunately, she passed away. It's very sad because Antonio was very close to her. As long as Antonio does well in the classroom, I have a very, very hard time believing that the NCAA will not grant him that waiver, making him eligible to play. Uh, don't hold me to that. I mean, 
we've seen the NCAA make stupid decisions before, but you look at some of the waivers that were granted to some of those quarterbacks that transferred this past year that were eligible immediately. It seemed like they had less of an excuse to play right away than Antonio did, you know, with his situation there with his grandmother. Yeah, to me, Alfano has a great case, but it's just impossible to be able to predict the NCAA. We've seen them grant waivers for things a lot less than Alfano's situation and them not grant waivers for things more than Alfano's situation. So it's just impossible to tell you never really know what the ncaa is going to do let's exhaust all these questions on the message board chase and then i'll I'll go to twitter this from go buffs 88 i guess i should do who is it from too um what grade would you give this recruiting class currently right now and what could it get to if a couple other dominoes fall our way i would say if they get jason harris and keep ashad clayton on board uh i could see will anglin a safety from ohio being their other late signee if they can finish strong with those three guys, and then they didn't announce Jay Lee Stacks, but we know he's coming on board as a blue shirt, I give this a B plus. And you do have to factor in that you've got to start winning some games before you really create a ton of momentum. But to have a chance to potentially finish in the top half of the Pac-12 recruiting rankings for the first time since entering the conference, I might even if they get Harris, I might even say A minus. I'm kind of teetering between those two. I, I think I'm right there with you. So with Clayton and Harris, it's probably an A minus. If you miss out on one of them, B plus. Miss out on both, probably B minus. That, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I think we're I think we're pretty similar there. And then it says off topic. What is your? Do we, do we include Antonio Alfano in this? Is a is a question. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. If too. that's the case, no matter what, I don't think you could go below a B. Yeah. And if you include him and you get those guys. I'd still probably say A minus. Just, I mean, not not to nitpick here, but you know, if it's a top twenty-five class, then I think it's a surefire A. Yeah, and, and it's not going to be quite that. Yeah, I think top twenty-five is how you get get to A. I think if you're outside there, you can't, you just can't give it to them. But it, they would have an A if Alfano was included, or they would be top twenty-five if Alfano was included. Yeah, good point. In ranking, good so point. Well, I'm waffling a lot on this answer. Yeah, but no, it's it's stuck, it'll be easier when you have the final class on paper, then to kind of digest that and, and come back to that. Um, what is your favorite food for press luncheons in the media area for games? That's just a quick off topic question. Um, for me, it's, I'm not a big Benders fan. So anything that's not catered by Benders, I don't know. Wow. Does Dave Platty listen to this? Cause you better watch out chase. <laughs> um, but I do like, well, I, I, I will, de- I will defend Benders by saying, I can't tell you how many, visiting media have told me it's the best press box food in the entire pack 12 so you might just be a hater yeah and and you'd probably know that better than me <laughs> i haven't <laughs> there, there's some good food across the conference oregon state has pretty good fajitas i put uh, that up there and to be fair i love the nachos that they give us after the games and in the press conferences but it's usually the meals the vendors as, meals as neil welk has said only media will complain about free food <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> It's such a journalist thing. To you know, I'm not a huge meatloaf guy. Yeah. I feel like it's one of those things that's typically done wrong. But I will say Bender's smoked meatloaf is pretty solid. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. That's one thing that I will eat <laughs> and a lot. Um, next question, Delta Buff. When are we going to know what Harris decides? Just kidding. Okay, good, because we weren't going to tell you that anyway. January 2nd. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, I'd like to hear a bit more about stacks. I mean, oh, hey, hey, this Chase, is right up my alley. I just, mean, just so everybody out there knows, Chase has a man crush on Jaylee Stacks. Uh, I'm intrigued because there definitely have been times that getting 18 inches on third or fourth and short has been way harder. Okay. Can you help explain that a bit further? Do they see him as a possible every down back with a lot of potential or someone who will have a specific, clearly defined role? So I think every down back by definition is a running back that's out there on every down. So I would say no, but I do think he's a guy that can play on every down, but he's going to be in different roles. Like an all-purpose situational back. Yeah, I think he's going to play on first, second, and third down, but he's going to be doing different things. And maybe not as much on first down, but he can at least lead the way um, as a fullback on first down. I think he's great in pass protection in third and long situations. And then, yeah, you can flex him out at tight end. You can have him at H-back. You can have him be a lead blocker. You can also have him run the football. Fullbacks don't average 9.4 yards per carry their senior year in high school. Uh, so this is a little bit of a different fullback, a little bit of a different weapon. He's an, he's an OW. He's an offensive weapon. And I think um, if you're creative enough with him, which I think Jay Johnson will be, that he can be a really good player. We actually shot a video announcing Jay Lee Stacks, which we'll have to sit on until he is announced by CU. But you really got to gush a lot about him on that, Chase. And I'm glad that that question came this way so you could have this forum to, to do that as well. <laughs> exactly. And then um, thoughts on Clayton was the end of that i mean that's too broad of a question what what are the thoughts like the recruiting situation or like just a shot clayton in general shot clayton in general is a very good running back that those are my thoughts all right next question which recruit well, we can expand a little bit on that chase well but i don't know how to answer that oh he is he wondering about the recruiting situation we're going to get asked about that at some point so we might as well okay, touch on it now yes he's been verbally committed to, to colorado for I want to say, what, about a month and a half now? And he took a visit out to Kansas two weeks ago. Arkansas and their new head coach have made a late run at him. He has indicated from the beginning that he would like to wait and sign in February. Now, when he committed to the Buffs, as good a recruiter as Mel Tucker and the staff have proven to be with some of these guys, you thought they might convince him, hey, just sign the letter of intent now so you don't have to deal with this over the holidays going all the way to February. But he is the type of talent that if he wants to take a little bit of time, uh, you kind of have to let him. And there's you know, not a lot of guys that this staff was going to allow that to happen with. You know, With a lot of these other guys, you'd say, well, if you're not going to sign today, you're not committed to us. But again, with the shot of Clayton, it's something that he'd kind of mentioned that he was probably going to do from the beginning. So I guess it's not that big of a surprise. And you're not necessarily desperate for a running back. It's really cool that the staff, they, they have Alex Fontenot and Jaron Mangum coming back, and they say, no, you know what? We're not going to just settle there. We're going to keep recruiting talent to that room. But worst-case scenario, if Ashad Clayton doesn't come here, this program's still going to be okay. Now, he could be a difference maker if he comes here, no question. Uh, if I'm a CU fan, I'm definitely uh, going to be nervous whenever that announcement is made. But just in general, I don't think it's a make or break for this program. Right. It's not a position of need by any means. It's it's more a luxury if you get right, a national right, right. It's a great luxury. It's great for the recruiting rankings. I don't know if it's that crucial he to could, this football. Who knows? He could be a four-year starter and go to the NFL. Like I mean, He's got a ton of talent. I mean, his the numbers he put to, together in the state playoffs this year are insane. Is it fair to rule out KU? I think if he would have... If he was interested in KU, he probably would have decommitted by to CU by now. And I would say that if he's changing his mind, it's going to be a different school. 
I don't want to speculate. I don't I bet, know. He just tweeted yeah. out a picture of KU yesterday, <laughs> yeah, the day before the early signing period. And their running backs coach there at Kansas was the head coach at Warren East in his high school. Uh, didn't coach Clayton per se, but has you know ties to that school. He's got teammates, former teammates that are there in Lawrence. So that I would imagine the Jayhawks, unless I don't know, I'm not paying attention to their recruiting. If they got another running back, maybe they move on. But I know they're tied on numbers too, so I don't know that whole situation. But um, KU, Arkansas, you would think is, a KU would find room for a shot, right? Clayton. Right, right. You you have to. Um, so yeah, so we'll find out um, in the next couple of months on Clayton. I, I think. Hey, some signing day drama. It's always fun. All right, next question. Which recruit are you most excited about in this class, and which freshman do you think will contribute the most next year? Uh, that's from Scobuff71085. Which I'll let you lead off here, Chase. I'm most excited about. I don't know. I get excited. I, I don't have a favorite uh, football player. I have some favorite personalities in this class. But in terms of what they're going to be able to do on the field, maybe Christian Gonzalez, he really stands out to me just because he's going to be so good in the secondary. You can play him at safety. You can play him at cornerback. He's such a great athlete. Um, he's probably my favorite football player. I'm going to take an easy pick here, but I really truly believe this. Brennan Lewis, I really enjoy watching him behind center. The poise the athleticism, still having that pass-first mentality. I know you and Brian were kind of talking about his personality. He's not like a Steven Montez that's going to crack jokes, but I like he's got moxie to him. Yeah, and I, I there's just you know there's certain guys that you follow their recruiting, you talk to them, and you just get a feeling. It's nothing against Tyler Lytle or Blake Stenstrom, but, man, I could see him being a four-year starter. And, and if, if that ends up being the case, then that has to be the answer to this question. Right, right. I, I'm very excited about Brendan Lewis, too, so I think that's a really good answer. Yeah, he just has kind of a level-headedness about him that you want in a I don't want to say he has the it factor until I see him on campus, Yeah, but I think he might have the it factor. He might have the it factor. <laughs> in, instant impact, it's got to be Caleb Fourier, right? You're mm-hmm. going to need somebody at tight end. and. You know, he's going to have to put on some weight to really help them in the ground game, but he's got a willingness to get – I mean, some of those blocks he throws on guys, if you watch his junior and senior film, uh, he's not afraid to get physical. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you in terms of who's going to impact next year. I think one of the receivers can too, um, just because it's such an open position battle at the receiver position. I think of Brendan Rice or someone like that can yeah. get in the mix for sure. And I will say if Jason Harris ends up – signing with Colorado. Yeah. I think not necessarily 2020, but I think 2021 he could just turn into a, a monster as a pass rusher. They haven't had a guy with that length in this program as a pass rusher since Jimmy Gilbert in 2016 and even he took a little time to develop and get to that point, uh, but Jason Harris has a trait that I don't think they have on this current roster in terms of his pass rush ability. All right, well along those same lines, a few years from now cu has an all-american from this class that player is from dorn 09 and i i think you think it's jason harris well well, can we count him i don't think we can count him as a player from this class can we can we count antonio alfano no it's in parentheses other than alfano oh so you got to go with someone else um jake ray maybe yeah i was gonna i was just about to say one of the offensive linemen jake ray or carson lee those two and there there aren't a ton of difference making tight ends so if Caleb Vorier is as good as we think he might end up being 
that would be a possibility as well. I mean, he's more highly regarded than his dad was, and we know what his dad accomplished. I mean, that's kind of a hard comparison to make, but I like him a lot. And maybe even a Christian Gonzalez, depending on what position he ends up playing. Um, a guy that's able to develop under Mel Tucker for four years might end up being an All-American in, by that time. Uh, from Chase5857, one of my favorite posters on our board just because of his name. Do you guys get the sense the coaching staff may look towards the transfer market for safety if we lose out on Clayton? We'll just have to see. I, I think if they bring in Will Anglin from Ohio, maybe, maybe not. If they don't get him in, in Cincinnati, he's also recruiting Anglin, then I think you almost have to. Yeah, that safety position just isn't looking very good. The problem, though, is if you're going to bring in a transfer at safety for the spring semester, you kind of need to lock that up soon, right? Because the spring semester starts on January 13th. Maybe there is another Mikhail Onu that pops up as a grad transfer after the spring and possible. But if they do keep Clayton, if they do get Harris, um, and they do get Anglin, that's going to be their scholarships. Mm -hmm. They're not going to have any more. So uh, as Mel Tucker said, a kind of a fluid situation. Uh, We'll just have to see how things kind of pan out here. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll see if they even have the numbers from one of the Anons. Thanks for your work, Adam. Can you tell us who the top Colorado uncommitted players are and whether or not CU is recruiting them? Is he talking about 2020? I'm guessing the top, Colorado uncommitted players and whether or not CU is recruiting them. I don't know if there are many top 2020s Colorado players, but we can certainly talk about 2021. Yeah, well, Jake Rubley from Highlands Ranch. Yeah. Starting to sound like he's uh, he's encouraged by what he's seen with this Colorado program since Mel Tucker took over. Currently ranked number one in the state for 2021. You know, it's tough to judge him based on his junior season just because I mean, he was not getting protection at all. Yeah. yeah, I went to one of his games. He had about two seconds to throw every single time. He can I, sling I it, though. Yeah, he can. He's his arm is incredible. I think he's best in the camp settings. I haven't really seen him do really well in a game, but um, very impressive quarterback, especially in camp settings. And there's a ton of tools there to be able to develop. Obviously, he has the lineage. Um, T.J. Rubley being his dad, played yeah. quarterback at college. I think that's probably the biggest target for 2021 as we stand yeah. right now we've got a lot of time to analyze the 2021s so let's let's move on to the next <laughs> Arden walker is another one. Oh yeah that that's another big guy that they need to get in 2021 okay um i'd love your take on early enrollees can you review the list talk through which positions benefit most from it and are there any players you think will really be disadvantaged by not being an early enrollee this year all right the guys that will be on campus in January, the transfers are Antonio Alfano, Josh Watts, a punter from Australia. From the JUCO ranks, Justin Jackson, who they beat out West Virginia late in the process for. Cornerback Jalen Stryker from Independence Community College. Guy Thomas, a former Husker, spent last season at Coahoma Community College. And then the prep early enrollees are Carson Lee, Brendan Lewis, Alvin Williams, and Jake Ray. What are your thoughts here? Um, well, first of all, what positions benefit the most from it? Um, I think you have a couple of them there. Quarterback is probably number one. Getting a guy that you think might be able to have a chance of starting as a true freshman, getting him in early, getting him some time to learn some systems, spend some time with Jay Johnson, um, I think that is invaluable. Yeah, an outside linebacker too. 
you lose Alex Changham and really Carson Wells is the only guy coming back that's truly established there. And so if Al Williams can be the, the pass rusher they think he might be and then you bring in Guy Thomas as well, I think you really cultivated your depth with some reinforcements at that position. Yeah, and the offensive linemen as well, Carson Lee and Jake Ray, two guys that uh, might be able to contribute early, definitely have the skill set to be able to. Might, but even if they're really good, in a perfect world, you still probably want to redshirt them just because they are going to gain benefit from that. And unless they look like they're a guy that's going to be leaving early to the NFL, uh, you'd rather have them as a fifth-year senior than you know have them out there for some snaps as a true freshman. And even that benefits them. They'll have a year and a half of being with this team before they even play a game, and that's invaluable. And they'll be the oldest sophomores or juniors on the team. Yeah. All right, next question. Oh. Or, or did you have more? thoughts that you wanted to uh, share there well there was a follow-up are there any players that you think are really be disadvantaged by not being an early enrollee i mean it's it's kind of a luxury to enroll early i don't know if yeah you can really if caleb for came in early and could practice this spring that'd be nice but again like you said that's more of a luxury than the the normal though i mean gosh nine new guys coming in here and if you include alfano there was 21 signees today that's almost half of them all right, uh, question on Clayton from Wyobuff. We'll skip past that one. Louisville Buff, question on scholarship time length. I think regular and gray shirt scholarships to high school football players are now four-year commitments by the schools. Are there still scholarships that are for one year only, like those that in the past were awarded to walk on when some scholarships were not used this year? Here's the thing is uh, that stuff was all overblown in my opinion. The four-year scholarship, okay, you come in on one of those – if you're not playing like a Kevin George, just using him as an example, coming mm-hmm. on a spring ball last year, Kevin George is smart enough to see where he's on the pecking order, right? Those guys, in a lot of cases, are going to feel like they need to transfer if they want to play. And it is that am I answering this in the right vein? I'm not exactly sure how he what he's okay. looking for on the answer there. I just kind of cut you off there. Sorry, Chase. No, no, you're good. Um, yeah. I haven't had a Red Bull in a while. I'm starting to get a little like loopy over here. Like those that in the past were awarded to walk-on, they can still award scholarships to walk-ons. If you're under the 85, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, we're going to move on. Optimus Prime Buff. Um, that one is a little more info on Clayton. We talked a little bit about him. Um, if you guys find out that CU has a silent but signed commit, will you let us fans know without revealing names or names, <laughs> name or names? The problem with Jason Harris is any hint gives it away, and I'm not I, I'm not in a position to ruin the kid's moment. I already submitted a crystal ball in favor of the bus. I think you did as well, correct? Yes, I did. And a lot of other analysts did. I'm not guaranteeing that he's going to be a buff. I just uh, I. F- felt really good at, about it as of yesterday and haven't heard anything to make me feel otherwise and the under armor all-american game is going to be a lot of fun to watch brendan rice will be playing in it you're going to have jason harris making a decision and also playing in it i don't know the last time they had two guys playing and i know they had two guys go in 2017 yeah. but uh van deese was injured at the time and you've got devin grant playing in the all-american bowl in san antonio so uh three buffs playing in, in on national tv in those all-star games and give you something to watch during bowl season. I guess that's a little bit of a shot, but it is, it is, uh, it is nice to have some, some type of buffs to be able to watch. Um, has defensive end coach signed with anyone today, and do the buffs want him? Uh, I stopped paying attention because I was told he wasn't going to be part of this class for CU. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, he's not. Yeah, he's not coming to CU. That's what matters. Um, does the player from Ohio have 
a solid offer from CU? If so, is he expected to sign by Friday? He's talking about Will England. Oh, no, he's going to sign in February. I'd imagine he'll take an official visit. Initially, they were looking to bring him out as a blue shirt, uh, but an extra scholarship opened up, and so uh, that's kind of changed their thought there. And I, I think it... The, how that scholarship opened up is Rajan Wright, a cornerback out of Laney College, was silently committed, but there were some academic concerns there, so he's going to Oregon State instead. And uh, I think that almost ends up being a positive for CU, unless Rajan Wright goes on to play in the NFL or something like that. But I'd rather bring in a safety than another corner at this point. Yeah, and yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I think England can be a good player. I think he kind of reminds Mel Tucker of himself a little bit because he's the he's a quarterback. Yeah, yeah, uh, a speedy quarterback from Cleveland. From Cleveland, yeah. I think that has something to do with it. Um, <laughs> Kobe the Buff, who gets the ball rolling and becomes the first commit for the 2021 class. They already have one, Caden Dudley. That was answered in the thread. Um, we were talking about some other targets, Arden Walker and uh, Jake Rubley. Any other questions? Keep scrolling. Will the 20- I, I got to wait till at least Friday before I start looking ahead too much here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I only know the in-state kids because I can I watch them. But other than that, I have no idea about the twenty twenty. Arden Walker is going to be a stud, though. Isn't oh, he? he is so good. He's so much fun to watch. So explosive, and he's going to be able to play outside linebacker or D end. And I think he could even put on weight and move even more in the inside because um, his dad is huge. Will the 25 new player rule hurt Power 5 schools? Um, there's just, Why would... It hurts you if you have a ton of attrition because it's tough to stay above that 85 number if you're constantly having a revolving door. And that's why I think any first-year head coach has to come in and set a foundation. Certain guys are just not going to buy into that. You're going to have attrition. But I think going forward, if you're Mel Tucker, you want to limit attrition as much as you can. Yeah, yeah, I think it definitely – it doesn't allow coaches to come in and kind of clean house like they would want to, especially um, not being able to bring in a bunch of transfers and that type of stuff. But um, it does kind of settle down the transfer portal a little bit. It doesn't make it as much of a wild free agent um, type of thing that people are making it out to be um, because teams just don't have the room. NYTJ Buffin, what impact do you think the staff's presence in Colorado this year will have on Colorado players over the next couple of years? We have already seen positive returns in the skill positions. Will we see more positive movement in the trenches? So the first sign that I'm starting to run on fumes is the fact that I just spaced out while you were uh, reading that, that question. Um, I can, I'll just go ahead and answer it. because It's all you, Chase. Um, it's, a, it's a Colorado question, and I love talking about Colorado high school recruits. Um, I definitely think it will have an impact. We're already seeing that with Caden uh, Dudley and Anthony Costanzo join the list early. Um, I also think that they have a great relationship with Mac McChesney. We saw McChesney make the announcement for Carson Lee today. He was on campus in the room. Um, I think having that really good relationship can only help because he was asking if it will help with uh, not just the skill positions but also the guys in the trenches. And I think you get the guys in the trenches by having a really good relationship with McChesney. Um, next question. You paying attention this time? I am listening. This time. <laughs> Buffalo. Uh, Buff High says, what would you give Mel Tucker for Christmas? I'm torn between a lockdown corner or a pressure cooker. Any thoughts? I don't know if he's hurting for much in his life. I mean, you know, if Mel Tucker wants something, he's going to go out and buy it. So it would be something creative. I, on the spot, it's hard for me to come up with a creative answer. I'm, again, 
uh, my brain is about to shut down on me here. Yeah, if I think of something, I'll, I'll post it. Uh, Buffalo Blood. Any idea of new prospects that we may be looking at to offer as a gray shirt? I'm told there's going to be no gray shirts in this class. CT Buff. Who of the signees project to compete for too deep status this upcoming fall? Um, we've kind of touched on this one. Caleb Fourier is probably number one. Brendan Lewis. Anybody else? Christian Gonzalez, if he moves to safety. Is he I'm, I'm going to throw a dark horse in there, Chase. Okay. Because I don't think this guy's been talked about enough. Chris Carpenter. Oh, uh, yeah. He is fun to watch on film. He doesn't do interviews, so he just has not been a guy that's been talked about much. But he's a home run threat every time he gets the ball. Yeah, one of those guys I do the commit tracking every week. One of those guys that I would put into the commit tracker i think every single week easy look up it was always like 70 80 yards sometimes he'd get i think he had one game where he was 200 plus um but he was always 70 80 maybe in the hundreds he's got that long stride too it's fun to watch him yeah and he he was very consistent this year and i think that was one of the more impressive parts about it um and i think originally they liked him at cornerback but i think he's going to make a great slot receiver if that's where he stays catnip lover 420 now that there appears to be a real influx of talent and bodies there, any early guesses on how the DL rotation plays out and how deep we'll plan on going? Mel Tucker says they want to go 10 deep. Uh, if Alfano gets the waiver, if Sparaco coming off a good fall on special teams, they might get close to that. Mm-hmm. It, well, yeah, you're going to throw in Justin Jackson, Antonio Alfano, maybe Jordan Berry to the mix. They're, they don't lose any defensive linemen that we know of unless they yeah. have some attrition. Mustafa Johnson's back, Jalen Sammy's back, Terrence Lang's back, Naeem Rodman has gotten seasoned, Williams. I mean, they've got a lot of guys there, and even Lloyd Murray Jr., somebody that Brumbaugh mentioned to me that has really improved a lot since he got on campus. So we're going to go with 10. Well, they want to go pretty deep. I mean, there's going to be injuries in a position group, right? Yeah. So at the end of the day, they'll probably rotate eight guys if Alfano gets the waiver. Oh, more 2021 class questions. How big do we anticipate the 2021 class being? It's going to be a smaller class. There's only, what is it now? There's only 10 or 11 in that class. And then uh, he said, chances with what appears to be the top four instators. Rubley, we've already said that good chance. Zune, I'd say almost pretty close to zero. Yeah, that, that, would, be, that would surprise me. Yeah. Um, and then Fergus, Terrence Ferguson, I actually do think they have a really good chance with him. He has a bunch of offers all over the country, um, but his mom isn't in great health, and so there's oh, some no. rumors there that uh, he wants to stay close to home. So Ferguson, well, that's not the way, way you want him to stay and stay. But. Right, right. And then Hart, um, the tight end at Cherokee Trail, um, they're probably just going to take one of the tight ends, I'd imagine. They're not going to graduate one, I don't think, this year, so... And, and most likely Chase Penry is going to commit here pretty soon. And if he does, that might be their only uh, receiver commit in the 2021 class. Um, and then the last question from Dab Buff. Any surprises this signing day or who the Buffs are after for the later signing day? Yeah, we kind of already yeah. went over that. I've only got about 10 more minutes here before i got to get going. I'm going to head to Twitter for some questions. Our friend Jake Shapiro, who is QB1 first day of spring ball, fall camp, the season, and then the final day of the season. So kind of a four-parter here. I'm going to just answer the first part of this, Chase, and then I'll let you finish it out here. Okay. First day of spring ball, QB1, is got to be Tyler Lattle, right, just because he's had more time in the system. Now, that could change, obviously, pretty quickly, but uh, I would be surprised if he's not getting the first reps with the first team on the first day of spring ball. 
You're gonna have me take fall camp. So who wins it? Well, if you don't want ball? to, I can handle the whole yeah, thing. That's I'm a just tough trying one. To... It's who's predicting who's gonna have the best spring ball um, out of the three. Uh, I'm gonna go with Blake Stenstrom. How about Pat? Just just to change it up a little bit I like because it. Um, I love how he's a cerebral quarterback. I think he's a great fit for Jay Johnson's system. He can run the football a little bit. We've seen that. Um, and so I think him out of spring ball, he's always looked better in practice, and I think he will win it going into fall camp. Okay. And now I'll give you the uh, last Now I'll just say Brandon Lewis, so <laughs> we've completely hedged <laughs> yep. every angle of this. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. but I mean, w- with the true freshman quarterback, I-, I need to see him on campus before I start making predictions there. All right, the next question from Eric Christensen. Hey, Eric. We just saw you uh, an hour ago. He asked, where did Harris the DN out of Arizona commit to? Obviously, we're not going to know that till January 2nd. Buffs fan 90. How would you rate Mel Tucker's 2020 class? What did they do well? What did they miss? I would say they did well getting size and beating out a lot of power conference programs for recruits. What did they miss? I still, safety has me a little concerned. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I don't have anything to add to their size and speed. I think they did a really good job and filling their needs um, besides safety. Eric Reshirt asked, we'll probably have a solid rotation at wide receiver, but who will be the top two, three we should be excited about? Which freshman will see significant playing time? Um, I always hear good things about Maurice Bell. I think he's a great route runner. I think he can be that type of Tony Brown receiver. I think he's the most consistent out of the group right now. Well, not including Dimitri Stanley, but as consistent um, out of the ones that we don't know about. Obviously, Daniel Arias has that big play ability, but I don't yeah. know if he has the full package. Got to mention Vontae Chanel here. Yeah. Really excited uh, to see what he does this spring and going forward. And then maybe Jalen Jackson, who has who played a little bit last year, and I think he's going to have a little bit of a bigger role this year. And then in terms of freshmen coming in, uh, we've kind of touched on that already. Really, any of these four guys could prove to be that guy. Yes. There, there's all things to really like about each of them. and uh, They're all different. They're all different types of receivers, yeah. which is obviously a good thing. Ben and Rice and Keith Miller are similar because they're both more powerful mm-hmm. receivers. But other than that, they're all different. Birdman asked, why is Clayton waiting He's a guy that doesn't do interviews, so he's not really elaborated on it. But he did say, even before he committed to see you, that he was going to wait till February. Obviously, Colorado would have, if they had their druthers, would have changed his mind, had him on board, and announced him today. But, uh, yeah, that's about all we know at this point. And a uh, question about Alfano. We already touched on that. Going to go down my notifications real quick got one more here from jaron benefield adam since you've been covering cu's recruiting classes where would you rank this one on your list of signing day classes and assume clayton and harris do commit in february as well it's tough because new is always exciting it's hard to go back to think exactly how i felt about every class on the signing day you know 2008 was the highest rated on paper that i've covered because i came in uh, 2003 was my first year and they were still competing for Big 12 North championships at that point, but the so-called scandal was kind of hitting around that time and, and, and recruiting was starting to kind of dip under Gary Barnett at that point. There was a lot of excitement 
chase around this program back in 2007 transitioning into 2008 they went to a bowl game lost to alabama daryl scott the number one running back in the country commits lynn katoa highly regarded linebacker that had offers from seemingly everybody bryce givens top in-state guy but you know dan hawkins didn't put a premium on character which was evident by that class and a lot of attrition a lot of knuckleheads in that class and then some of the guys that were really highly regarded that had character like a john major had an injury it was just an unfortunate class with all that that took place so on paper that one had people really freaking out i mean there were a ton of people that showed up to that spring game people hadn't quite figured out that dan hawkins was a fraud at that point I don't know exactly how this Mel Tucker era is going to play out. I think it's going to have more success than any coach here since Gary Barnett. But one thing we can say is he's not a fraud. Mm-hmm. So it's probably 2008. You have 2017 recruiting class, which was pretty good if you include Jake Moretti and Grant Pauly, who obviously never um, Jake got to play yeah. a little bit. But If you into include Antonio Alfano in this class, which I think you should, because if he gets that waiver, he's going to have four years of eligibility. Uh, this is probably the most excitement that I've felt on a sunny day. Yeah, and the, he said to include Clayton and Harris in our Oh, our then definitely. Yeah, so it, probably the best for me, at least. I appreciate your comprehension at this point, Chase. <laughs> I'm just completely glossing over details with some of these questions. Um, Do we get any more questions there? Anyone not signed today with other schools who we might target now, um, like we've said, CU's very close on the numbers, so I don't expect them to go after anybody that we don't already know about. I was asked, uh, how does this class compare to Mel Tucker's first recruiting class? I don't even think that's fair because how much time? I mean, Mel Tucker was announced on the December 5th or 6th last Fifth. year, and it was 19th. The 19th in December was the early signing period. So, you know, credit to Mike McIntyre's staff. You know, a lot of guys in that class came in in, in – uh, were legit players, you know, like a KJ Trujillo, Mark you, Perry, Mark Perry, you know, so there were some really good guys in that class. Um, but I, I, I think you could do that next year. You could compare Mel Tucker's second full class to his first full class. I don't. Yeah. Even Jaron Mangum was a part of the McIntyre class. So yeah. it, it was a pretty good class that Tucker kind of had to improve off of, but there was the base yeah. there at least. He brought in uh, Marvin Ham in a short yeah. period of time. That was a really good get. I think he's going to be a good linebacker as he continues to develop here. I think that about wraps it up. I guess if you do you want to put a percentage on the odds that uh, Clayton signs, because we're we're not going to give anything away about Harris. So. No, I'd prefer not to. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because the reason I say that, and I'm laughing, but I could hear something in 15 minutes that would change that percentage by the time this goes out and might feel differently. So, yeah. Uh, it's hard to say. He's going to, he's keeping, keeping folks guessing that a shot Clayton. You gotta love it. Four star running backs. That's what they do. Well, Chase, I appreciate you for coming here to the champion center today. You've been busy covering the men's basketball program. Love the content you and Jake have been putting out there and a little rough stretch here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll get together. We'll do a podcast where we talk more about men's basketball. It's been kind of an afterthought as we've finished up the 2019 football season in the recruiting class, but I, I've been a, a little loopy on this podcast. It's time for me <laughs> to get some family time in and, and maybe tie up some loose ends from signing day coverage today. Any last thoughts you want to throw out there to, to buff nation? No, I just think you need to get some sleep and we all thank you for all of your hard work, obviously. Thank you very much. Yeah. If our dog could cooperate and not uh, keep me up t- tonight, I got one hour of sleep last night. I was good too. I got to bed like nine thirty. I was like, 
man, I, I feel like I'm doing this adulting thing right. I'm going to get some good sleep, <laughs> even though there's an early wake up and it just didn't happen. Just too much barking or bothering was Just you? constantly whining. Yeah. Just unhappy. Unhappy that you went to bed. All, all, over, all over our dog got a shout out on the podcast. <laughs> But not a, not a nice one. Yeah. He is in the doghouse. <laughs> he is in the doghouse. All right, Chase, thank you, and thanks to all of you for tuning in. Of course.